0: chapter 15 of doctor Sin by russell thorndike this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by john brandon doctor syn by russell thorndike chapter 15 a landed proprietor sets up a gallows tree back to the ship and to duty went hangman jerk with much to think over in his bullet head and much to digest in his tight little stomach to make head or tail of the doctor's remarkable manner was beyond him, so he dismissed it from his mind and instead fell to contemplating the two silver crowns one payment for keeping his weather eye open, easily earned, the other the schoolmaster's safety, directly against his highest hopes. Yes, a crown was poor payment for that, especially as it was now possible for himself to be the direct means of hanging his enemy approaching the bar door he paused for he heard voices within voices that he knew released him from work the voices of mrs waggetts and the pride of her life the sexton mipps jerk knew exactly how to land lay with mrs waggetts and he was always wondering when if ever she would succeed in folding that queer little man within the safe bonds of matrimony now whatever jerks failings may have been he was loyal to his friends and mrs waggetts was not only his friend but his employer and she had done him one or two very good turns for one thing she had given him a money box in which to save a portion of his weekly wage that doesn't sound a great deal on the surface it is true but her kindness had not ended there as you shall see jerks teeth were not sweet like those of most boys of his age he had never bought sweetmeats barley sugar and such child's trash no when he wanted a pick-me-up it was a grown man's pick-me-up that he indulged in a pannikin of rum a whiff of tobacco and a long shot spit at the china spittoon that stood in the front of the bar these indulgences had no effect on his purse for the cravings of the first two were easily satisfied from the bar store when nobody was looking and the third he was at liberty to practice whenever he felt so disposed and thus it was that although but approaching thirteen years of age he had through the good offices of the landlady and a systematic use of her money-box already become a landed proprietor when the landlady heard the jerk wanted to spend his savings on such a strange thing as land she had exclaimed in some surprise, "Lord, bless the boy! Land! What can a boy of that age want with a plot of land? The money's good enough, ain't it, ma'am? Well, then I wants land, a nice little bit of snug mud-bank where I can hide and learn about the marsh. If I've a bit of mud what's all mine on Romney Marsh, well, I'll be a marshman, I'll be, and it's a marshman proper. I wants to be." so mrs waggetts consented and bought a plot for him situated about a mile and a half from the village and a rough half-mile from the sea as land it was of no use in the commercial sense in fact the farmer had thought the landlady clean crazed to buy it though the price was small enough as far as prices go on the marsh it was more mud than land surrounded by two broad dykes that slowly oozed round to meet in a sluice channel this was jerk's estate measuring twelve by ten yards all told and only solid in one spot near the centre a patch of about ten square feet which formed a knobby mound surrounded by great bulrushes but the mound was not such a small affair for it rose high enough to top the loftiest rush and that is quite a noticeable height on the flat of romney marsh this mound was given by its owner the dignified name of lookout mountain a name well deserved for by sitting on the top of it upon the great stone which he had dragged from the sea wall and carried a mile across the marsh for the purpose he could see from dover cliffs to dungeness and in the other direction the long line of hills which bound the marsh island, with old Limpney Castle frowning from the top. But Jerk wouldn't have changed his stronghold for any other, Limpney Castle included. It suited him admirably. From it he studied the marsh and the creatures therein. The great brown water rat that came out in the evening to hunt in the rushes the swift-winged dragonfly that could stand in mid-air stock-still as it seemed to look at you the myriad mosquitoes with their fantastic air-dance hunting in tribes along the sluggish waters the tadpole who looped about in the water below and more especially the flabby flap of the night-prowling bat who hung all day head downward from a decayed old tree-trunk that was rotting on the opposite bank to Jerk's estate. Now this same tree-trunk had put ideas into young Jerk's head. It was obviously no good to anyone, and yet Jerk found himself regretting that it had not lived and died upon his land, for it was shaped devilishly like a gallows tree, and if he could only erect a gallows tree upon the summit of Lookout Mountain, he would be more than ever living up to his reputable name of hangman jerk he half thought at one time of digging it up and replanting it on his own property but when he had caught hold of a branch one day and it had crumbled away in his hand he considered that although very nice and weird to behold it wasn't much use as a genuine gibbet and a genuine gibbet he then and there resolved to possess now the silver crowns of dr Sin would buy the most glorious scaffold a regular professional affair fixed snug and firm in the ground and capable of supporting the weight of a wriggling man Mips was the man to undertake the job for he was a first-rate carpenter and there was wood and to spare in the yard behind the coffin shop yes if any man could supply him with a gibbet mipps could and there he was talking in the bar ready to hand and here were the silver crowns in jerk's pocket but to buy the gibbet and then to have to keep his mouth shut about the schoolmaster was no good mipps would never do the job for one crown but for two jerk thought he might well he would see about that and if he were unsuccessful he must find a way of raising the money and then as soon as the apparatus was ready he would get rash condemned and offer the authorities the loan of a brand new gibbet oh to watch the murderer swinging from the top of lookout mountain right away on the lonely wind-swept marsh that indeed was a glorious thought yes he must come to terms with the undertaker at once an undertaker now with a vengeance rash's undertaker but the little gentleman in question was talking to mrs waggetts so jerry had to wait in honor bound for he was staunch to his benefactress and would not have interrupted for the world the conversation going forward in the bar was carried on in earnest tones but low and jerk began to think that mrs waggetts was at last drawing the sexton into a proposal of marriage and his interest in this one-sided love affair made him crouch by the bar door in hopes of gathering up some scraps of the honeyed words but the few disjointed words he did catch were more akin to passion than to love Alsace, lorraine one bottle gone damn that captain's soul we know how to use the mist they don't it's safe enough lots of it to-night no there was no vestige of love in that and presently the conversation was terminated with the most uncomplimentary remark from the sexton you can lay your old topknot and throw in your face that there'll be a good haul out to-night and a good haul in here saying which with a knowing slap at his pocket mipps came hurriedly out of the bar door and fell all a sprawl over the crouching body of young jerk why in the name of all what rots can't you tell me where you was cursed the sexton cause i prefers to tell you what i wants replied young jerk a thrashin a gallows ay that you do if any one did will you make it for me then said the boy what do you mean what i says will you make me one at a price and that is depends on the size what do you want a gallows for now that don't concern you returned jerk you'll have all you can do making it without asking questions and you'll have all you can do when it's made of preventing me a stringin' you up on it if i has any more of your impertinence but Jerry was in no way put out and replied, You don't want to build my gallows, say so. And I'll soon find some other cove what does. Come, what's your price? And what's your game? My business not yearn, said the boy. But you'll find as how yer'n won't improve by annoying your employers. Employers? And who might they be now, said the Sexton. Well, I'm a-trying to be one, said Jerk jingling the coins about in his pocket to lend weight to his words. What price for a gallows, eh? The jingle of coins always made the sexton think. What size, said he? Big enough, and strong enough to hang a man on, of course, and allowing for a good foot or two of timber in the earth. The sexton scratched his head. Well, I'm cursed, he said. That's not to me, replied Jerry. Come on, your price. Well say two crowns for makin and one for fixin one for makin and one for fixin said jerk holding them out no said the sexton eyeing the coins then hang the fixin cried the boy for i'll fix it myself so it's one for makin and the wood ain't it mr sexton no it's two for makin and i lose on that very well, agreed Jerk desperately, handing over the money, and please, Mr. Sexton, make it now, cause I wants it quick. So the bargain was struck there and then, and off they both set to the coffin shop to carry it out. And the gallows was made by nightfall and set up on Jerk's property, the Sexton carrying it there himself, digging the hole and fixing it up a regular professional affair with a jangly rusty chain a-swing through the hook and all this for the nominal price of two silver crowns lately received by the purchaser from dr sin ah cried jerk as they viewed the completed erection from the other side of the dyke ain't it fustrate slap up agreed the sexton quite strong ain't it inquired the owner anxiously to which the sexton replied imperiously it were Mips as knocked it up as you seed yourself and when Mips knocks up you can lay it solid what's knocked saying which he turned and strode off toward the village followed by jerk when they had got about a half a mile jerk looked back and called to the sexton to do the same darkness was already creeping over the marsh but sharp and black against the skyline no toy but real weird and convincing stood jerk's gibbet what do you think of lookout mountain now sang out the boy then you can better the name of it hangman jerk why not call it gallows tree hill why so i will cried the singular youngster it's a good name and so i will and let's hope as how the tree'll bear fruit as how it won't muttered the sexton but it will you can lay to that jerk could already picture the schoolmaster hanging there as they neared the village with sudden fear jerk said to the sexton i suppose the smugglers won't take my gibbet as a personal offence and knock it down but the wary mips disarmed his fears with there ain't no smugglers, for one thing, besides if there were, how could they knock down what's knocked up so solid? Well, dig it up, perhaps suggested Jerk. Cos mister Sexton, it do catch the eye somewhat, don't it? Look you can see it even from here, and it don't look exactly pleasant, do it. Pleasant ain't exactly the word, I agrees, but you needn't worry yourself on that score. If them damned kingsmen had put it up now, I don't say as how it mightn't get mobbed and knocked about a bit, cause them damned kingsmen ain't what you might term popular favorites in the village. But as it weren't, don't you worry, for I'll soon pass the word, young Jerry, as how it's you, what owns it. Thank you, Sir Jerry. They wouldn't knock it over if you asked them not to. I'll be bound. Asked? who not to demanded the sexton quickly why any of em replied jerry innocently marshmen smugglers jack-o'-lanterns demon riders what you will for i'll lay they're all scared of sexton mipps ain't they but sexton mipps was not to be caught by such dangerous flattery and he replied there ain't no such things as smugglers hereabouts as i thinks i've already remarked and as for demon riders why uncanny they be and i holds no truck with em thank the lord folks what has dealings with em has sold their souls for the bargain and i ain't a-going to do that being such a very good and respectable christian oh no said jerk winking why certainly answered the sexton and might i ask what you were winking about nothing i was only thinking what about a dream, a nightmare I had last night, that's all. What about? asked the sexton again. Nothing particular returned the boy casually. They had now reached the coffin shop, so thanking the sexton for his assistance, Jerk bade him good night. Where are you bound for now? Mr. Mips called after him. The vicarage. What for? To tell the vicar as how I've borrowed a crown off of him, that's all what's that cried the sexton making as if to follow but the boy waved him back with a fierce gesture tai ain't nothin to do with you you're paid ain't you and it didn't get stole from the poor box neither and thrusting his hands deep inside his breeches pocket jerk set off for the vicarage to tell dr sin that although he couldn't accept the silver crown for holding his tongue he had taken the liberty of borrowing it off him. And in this way was the gibbet set up on Lookout Mountain, and the name changed to Gallows Tree Hill. End of chapter fifteen. Recording by John Brandon.